2: Hello and welcome to the Rocker Report podcast where we are reacting to the news that Kyle Lafferty, Duncan Watmore, Jack Baldwin, Elim Ozturk, Joel Lynch and Academy graduate Ethan Robson will leave Sunderland at the end of the month as the club gradually turns their attention to the 20-21 season. I'm your host Craig and joining me this morning to discuss the club's retain list is Niall. Niall, how are you?
3: I'm good Craig, you alright? I'm very well mate,
2: yeah it's uh, been another exciting week, obviously pleased that the Premier League's returned but uh, for the lower League 1 teams like ourselves obviously we're going to have to begin to focus on uh, a gradual rebuild if you like so I'm sure that we can uh, we can delve into that over the next half an hour or so.
1: And we've also got Gav on the line, Gav how are you doing mate, you alright? Tickly boo yeah, looking good, feels like we're getting back to normal doesn't it, talking about football again. We're getting there, slowly but surely.
2: <laughs> Um, let's just dive straight in, shall we? Um yeah. Neil, I'll throw this out to you first, mate. Um, any surprises at all with the announcement of the players who who are set to leave the club at the end of the month?
3: Um no, no, no surprises. Uh I think I think they're probably all the right decision, just about. I think they've done the right thing in offering the players contracts that like they've offered Chris Maguire. I think we've still got, you know, more I think there's still more left in him. I think John McLaughlin, uh yeah, again happy with that and, and Flanagan I've always liked Flanagan I think you know he's, he's one of them players I don't think he's ever going to set the world alight, but he's you know you can call on him and, and he can play he's versatile at the back so I, I think they were the right decisions with regards to who they've released I think Ali Turk I've never understood this you know this thing that people have got with Ali Mosterg I don't think he's a good player I don't think he's good enough for this level. I certainly don't think he's good enough to play for Sunderland. I've never really understood the kind of cult following I have over him. I, I I don't really get it. Um yeah, so I'm I'm happy that he's that he's finally left the club. Don't get us wrong, he you know, he he put effort in and stuff, but he he was just not good enough to play. And other than that, I think Duncan Watmore, you know, he's he's again his injuries have have you know played plays his career and it's been a shame because obviously he has got ability, but I think you know he's it looks like he's getting off as from championship clubs, he was always going to leave. Um, and yeah, and the rest of them I, I think are, are the correct decisions. Ethan Robson is a little bit, you know, what it, it's a little bit upsetting that because obviously he's one of our own, but for whatever reason, he's never been fancied by any manager who's you know who's who's been at the club so. There must be something in that. And and yeah, hopefully now we can take the, the money from them wages and put it back in and invest in and try and build again. Duncan Watmore is perhaps the most high-profile player who is set
2: to leave. As you've said, he's been with us a long time and sadly his time really has been spent on the sidelines because of some horrendous injuries. In light of you know the the contract that he was given, we know that, albeit it's heavily reduced now, but he's the last player on premiership wages how confident are you that that level of money that was basically invested in him will will now go into the playing squad for next season? Um, <laughs> I'm
3: I'm I'm not that confident on it. To be honest, I'll I'll be totally honest. I'm I'm not that confident on it. I think nobody really knows what's going on at the club, they financially at the minute. I mean, obviously Stuart Donald is is saying one thing, and and you know reports and accounts are saying another. So. I, I really don't know. I'd, I'd love to think so. I'd love to hope so. Um you know maybe that's how they're going to finance next next season's team. I hope it is, but I really can't answer if 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 that's what they're going to do. I, like I say I hope so, but I I think Gav will have a few opinions on that one, but no I'm I, I'm not 100% sure.
2: Gav probably the best time to bring you in here now. Yeah. Um off the back of that, obviously a lot of these deals were, you know, an awful um kind of short-term situation. Kyle Lafferty only came in really in January, Joel Lynch I think came in late August. Um, Jack Baldwin obviously only spent one season here. Then he left us to go on loan to Salford. Again, I suppose. Same
1: to you. Really, any surprises at all with the departures? Um, I was, I was a little. I, I know what Niles just said about Oz but I was a little bit surprised that he's gone. Mainly just because when you think about it, he can't be on a lot of money, and as a backup centre back, he's proven himself to be pretty adequate. Um, so my <clears throat> my only, I guess. My only thought on that is maybe they've got in mind a different type of defender to come in, even as backup. Um, if you're going to criticise Turk, it's probably that he's too slow, not particularly great on the ball. But there's a no-nonsense kicking and defender. He's as adequate as they come, you know. I didn't think he did a bad job at Sunderland. I definitely think that the way he started, where he clearly wasn't fit, hampered people's perceptions of him. And as time wore on, he, he started to show people, you know, he's not, he's not a bad defender. And if you if you remember back to the end of the, uh, twenty eighteen nineteen season, he came into the team after, God knows how long out of it, um, after the Coventry game at home when Baldwin and Flanagan had an absolute nightmare, and he sort of showed us up at the back and ended up playing in the playoff final, didn't he? Um, yeah. and I think even under, even under Phil Parkinson, he kind of got himself a run in the team, but was unfortunate to come out because of Bailey Wright being signed, so. I feel a little bit sorry for Turk. I think he's going to go somewhere and do a good job. If he stays in League One, he'll be in a team that's competing against us next season, I feel. Um, but yeah, other than him, no real surprises. I'm a bit gutted about Ethan Robson because this time last year, I was sat here thinking this lad's going to break into the team and really make a name for himself. But as always with Ethan, he's 24 in October and he's been injured pretty much consistently since he became a senior pro. Um, that on top of the fact that it took till he was 23 for the club to loan him anywhere has really set him back and you've got to think how many lads at 24 year old have played so little first team football in their careers I mean it's difficult for him what's he going to do next I think he's probably got enough change in the bank after his Grimsby loan to be able to get himself a good move to a league two club and maybe work his way back up but the problem with Ethan is he just can't stay fit that's why he was just on the cusp two or three times, I can remember, of breaking into our first team and then you pick up an injury and be out for two months, and there you go, you've lost your place, you're down the pecking order. Yeah. So he's I'm more disappointed about him than anything, and probably the same goes for Watmore in that look, at when we're talking about probably twenty sixteen, see about that time when was I think we're stayed up by the skin of our teeth under Allardyce. He was starting to break into the team alongside Pickford and really stood out, I thought. I mean, all of the raw tendencies he still has now, we had then. And we could kinda of see the makings of a decent player and he was making his way in the in the England set up under Southgate. I mean he was one of the you've got to you can't forget really, he was probably one of the bigger players in that squad which did quite well under Gareth Southgate, um, scored quite regularly, was a threat with his pace down the sides and stuff, and was making a name for himself. And had he not got that really bad first knee injury, who knows where he might have ended up. I mean, if we even if we'd got relegated, I think he might have probably got himself a move on the back of that to a Premier League club down the bottom end who wanted a bargain, um, a bit of potential. So it shows how far his career has plummeted really in that He's leaving Sunderland in League One, haven't failed to make an impact, and it's no fault of his own, really. I feel like Duncan's just suffered from misfortune. Two bad injuries have really set him back. Um, I guess his name might still hold a bit of weight, and there might be a club in the Championship that fancy taking a punt on him, because that raw pace is not a common tendency. And you know, Even after two knee injuries, he's still quick. So yeah. there will be clubs out there who fancy him. Um but I'm yeah, his time was up at Suland. I mean, if the rumors that to be believed he was on twenty grand a week and at this level, you should be paying at least four or five players with twenty grand, not one player who wasn't even making the bench sometimes um I think in Lynch and who was the other player who left? We've got Joel Lynch and baldwin Ozturk. baldwin yeah yeah Bald- Lynch and Baldwin, I mean. Lynch, a little bit disappointed, but I didn't feel as though he would stay at Sunderland any longer than he did. I mean, he he was clearly just a short term signing to give us a couple more options at the back, and he did all right for the most part. I just feel like he sort of impressed initially, then regressed slightly and went hiding in certain games. And he had a touch of the Oz about him. He wasn't very quick or good with the ball at his feet, but he was left footed, which gave us a different option. But I wasn't expecting him to stay, and with Baldwin probably. Actually, thinking about it, one of the, one of the bigger disappointments because when he first came, we were people were calling him Jack uh, Jackenbauer, Bauer. Bauer, yeah, that was the one. Yeah. I'm trying to think what it was. Not not to say he was any good, like you know, as good as Franz Beckenbauer, obviously. <laughs> yeah, but just need to spell that right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but just 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 because he, he he initially looked just so much better than what we'd even had in the championship. Well, you got to think we had. The likes of Clark Salter and Mark Wilson, and, and you know, he came in and showed us what a proper defender was. He could carry the yeah. ball out, he was confident. But then I think one or two bad displays, it was like a domino effect with Baldwin, and you just got worse and worse to the point where he clearly mentally couldn't cope with playing for Sunland. And I've I talked about this all the time you need to have a big character to be a Sunland player, and I feel like maybe Jack Baldwin just wasn't in that mould. And you know, went to Salford. In League 2 And ended up playing Central midfield So he, I think You've got to be A rough and tough Defender To be successful The further down The leagues you go And he maybe Just wasn't that And a little bit Disappointed really That we spent Quarter of a million On a defender Who we've let go After two years For nothing When initially He looked like He could play up The leagues with us But I guess you win some, you lose some, don't you? So yeah, yeah. That's my thoughts. I know I've went on a bit there, but there are, yeah. There's quite a lot to digest, I guess. And
3: I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Gav. You know when you've said about the kind of pressures and stuff playing for something because I think that there's not just Baldwin. There's a few players. I think you know feel that. I mean, if you think Jack Baldwin came from Peterborough and he came from a, a mixed sort of reaction from the Peterborough supporters I remember we did interviews with Peterborough fans when we signed him and, and you know a lot of them were saying you know he's he's, he's good a lot of people were saying he's he's bang average a lot of people were saying he's not actually that good so I think if you come into a club like Sunderland especially you know you've got to think last season there was a lot of excitement at the start of last season at that Charlton game first game of the season and stuff you know that it was a good crowd and you know it was live on Sky and obviously we had the new ownership and everyone was looking forward to the season because everyone Presumed that we were going to have a good season and get promoted, and, and I think a lot of these players, and it's not just him, a lot of these players, I don't think have the mindset of playing for a club the size of Sunderland, and, and I think that's been evident throughout, and and that's one of the reasons why we we remain in this league, and you know I, I think you like you said you've got to have a big heart, you you know you've got to take criticism because you can have five good games, but if you have one good game, I mean our fans will let you know. It's always been like that, it's something, You know our fans are like you know, and 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 that's the difference. If you you know you're playing for Peterborough or Hartlepool, you you know it's going to be nowhere near that that scale. So I think the you know the adapt the players trying to adapt to that has been difficult for them. And, and yeah, I really think you hit the nail on the head there. It's I suppose a very bold decision that we are
2: prepared to allow three centre backs to go. I know that we've made a contract extension offer to Tom Flanagan, but essentially now we're left with Jordan Willis. There is, of course, suggestions that we are going to be in for Bailey Wright. But if Tom Flanagan, say, you know, rejects that potential offer, it is going to leave us in a bit of a, well, I suppose, a desperate situation ahead of the, the next season. And as you kind of touched on before, the Gav, about the 18-19 season, when we brought in a lot of these defenders originally, you know, an awful lot of them didn't cut the grade, the likes of Glenn Leuvens and things like that. So I suppose just going off subject ever so slightly, going into the the idea of their the recruitment team do what level of confidence do both of you have that they are basically going to go out and and improve on their the caliber of signings that they've made yeah. so far because this is last chance saloon now we desperately need to get promoted next season yeah. otherwise we're
1: in well a very very bad situation i'm not confident at all to be honest i mean niall touched on it before about the the wages and all right we've saved 20 grand a week on what more but there could be a salary cap coming in mm-hmm. um the premier league parachute payments money that would been previously paid stops now. So really, Sunderland have got to come into line with every other club in League One. We're, we're, we're yeah. now not in a position to completely outspend people on wages. So you're going to see massive cuts to the playing budget. You're going to see um, any new contracts. I can't imagine us offering better money, can you, to John McLaughlin, for instance, who came in on big money anyways for this level. When he's got championship offers, I mean, they just, to me, feel like talking... Um, statements really I mean yeah. I, I think you can pretty much guarantee Chris Maguire will re-sign if his terms are similar because at his age he's not going to get a bigger club than Sunderland I mean he's a fantastic player for this level but really there's only going to be League One and SPL teams looking at him so if he wants to stay in England then he's got to probably stay at Sunland really um, if he if he has any ambition anyways and I'm not saying Sunderland overly ambitious I just think Really, Maguire's options are limited in that sense. But with um, Flanagan and McLaughlin, I think both definitely get championship moves. I'm not a massive fan of Flanagan, but he is, he has had his name linked to a move to Swansea a few times, and he is still a decent age. He's an international open player, like Niall said, right across the back. Um, so I can see him potentially having a bit of interest from the league above, um, but I wouldn't be disappointed if he left. So... With with him and McLaughlin, I'm I'm honestly not too sure they'll even stay. Um, but with regards to replacing what we're losing, I mean, what you should be doing at this stage, if 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 you're sensible, if a club's ran sensibly, they've got a director of football in place, and I know I bang on about this, but they've got a director of football in place. You're planning way ahead. You're planning for every single outcome. So although you couldn't really particularly plan for the season ending early, we could plan for something not getting promoted. And you would imagine that plan would feature the inclusion of, well, we're going to have a lot less money to spend. We now need to look at the academy. We now need to look at the under-23s team. Who has potential? Who can come in and fill the spaces in the squad that we might maybe fill with experienced players? And it's a risk to take, but I guess that's what we've got to do at this stage. And the likes of Embleton, Mumba, um, even Anthony Patterson, the goalkeeper, um, and they sort of run out of options, I guess, but there's not many, but... Those players should then be looking to step into your first team. And then aside from that, you should be looking around maybe the championship for players who haven't been getting a game who are out of contract now and looking to boost your squad that way. I mean, I know I've I've seen lots of fans calling for us to sign Marks Madison again and Nan Yule from Blackpool's another one and um, Ryan Fraser from... Not Ryan Fraser, sorry, Scott Fraser from uh, I was going to say, but Burton Dillon Albion. be a really good <laughs> sign Yeah, Ryan Fraser. yeah Scott, <laughs> Scott, Fraser from Burton, who's also out. But these, the problem is, these players are too good for League One. They've had a really good season, and now they're looking to better themselves. They're not going to come to Sunderland. So, if anything, I think we need to get real. We need to get realistic and realize that it doesn't matter who the owners are. We now cannot afford to totally outspend other teams. Yeah. We're going to have to be sensible and we're going to have to be very, very diligent with our recruitment process. And we can't just go out now and look at oh, who's the best three or four players currently available. We'll, tr- we'll get them. You've got to see if they fit because the one lesson to learn from the last two years of poor recruitment for me is that we haven't been smart enough in our recruitment. We've signed players based on reputation or based on perceived reputation how much due diligence really went into signing Jack Baldwin, you know, for instance. His, the, the There would have been, somewhere along the line, there would have been doubts over his character, over his ability to play under pressure. And I, I think you can save yourself so much money. Same with Will Grigg. You can save yourself so much money by just being more smart. So that's my worry. I have no faith in the ability of Tony Court and Richard Hill and Cote to do that. And if these owners aren't going anywhere, we're going to have to prepare for another... Summer of just strange illogical transfer dealings really that don't tally up with what Sunderland need to be successful long term. It's all about the next year with these with these people rather than the next three or four years, which it should be, and that's why you you're gonna say the likes of Bali Mumba move on, because well where they should be coming into Sunderland's first team they're not, ultimately. Yeah. I suppose just a final
2: touch on the the retained list before we, we move on. Kyle Lafferty joined us in January and he was a player who, well, it was an interesting one. He came in, the social media account made a bit of a mistake with some sort of sectarian um, sort of tweet and that kind of just set the mark of what a signing you thought he would be. It'd be another one of those weird, weird ones that would just add to the list. But he got in the team, He shown flashes of what he perhaps was capable of. We all cried out for him to start, get an opportunity he never seemed to get it and then lo and behold when he did that Gillingham game I would probably say was the best striking performance we've seen all season um, when he had his one-on-one to put us two-one ahead I had literally every confidence in the world he was going to score that so are either of you surprised to see that that he's again going to be out the door do you think that there is going to be a possibility that if it is the case he doesn't find a club or we don't find a replacement that the door would be left open for a potential uh, return. Well,
3: I think that all, it all depends on how much he's, you know, how much he's wanting because that's, that's the only reason. I can either think either he's had an offer elsewhere, you know, abroad again or, or back in Scotland or wherever that, that he's thought is better or we can't afford his wages because I've gotten, I don't know, I can't think of any reason why we wouldn't sign him on. Yeah, he's his first start against Bristol Rovers, He you know, he, he wasn't great, let's be honest. He, he is, he was, well, it wasn't, you know, he, it didn't work for him. Um, sorry, that was the, the start after the, the Gillingham game and he was terrible. He, he wasn't great. That's that right, game, yeah, And then, like like you touched on the Gillingham game, he, he was fantastic, you know, he, he held up the ball fantastically. He, he took both his goals really well, you know, running at the, at the front post for his first one. It, it was excellent and uh, like you say at the minute when Charlie White is just not Cutting it in in Will Greg, I don't think he will probably never play for Sunderland again. By the looks of it, it you know I, I think you keep him there. You keep him there because I think Kyle Lafferty was happy being a bench player. He was happy coming on. You know he's what thirty four year old now. I think he 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 was happy with that. He was at a big club. He was coming off the bench last twenty, and you know I I think it, it kind of it fit what everybody wanted. So I don't know why they've released him. I I I, I assume it must be his choice because I, I, I don't I, I don't see how the club can turn around and say, No, you you know what we, we don't want you here, you you're not good enough to play for us or whatever. I don't see how they can say that. So it's got to be on um, my opinion, it's got to be on his side of things. I, I can't see it being the other side. I would have I would have signed them on tomorrow. I would I really would've done I would I would have had him sign the dot line straight away. Um it it just it doesn't make much sense to me personally, but you know, unfortunately it's happening. I don't
1: know I don't know whether I don't know whether it's a case of we didn't want him like I, I've I've got a feeling it's probably a number of things, but more so trying to look at a different type of striker, maybe. Um, I think, I think although Lafferty did well for a couple of games, he's not a particularly prolific player, is he? Um, and I wonder what kind of money we were paying him as well, because to get him in on a short-term deal, I imagine he was a dec- making a decent sum out of us. Um, so I wouldn't, I, I don't know, I think it's a funny one that he's, there's something about Lafferty I like, but... Again, I don't. I'm. not too attached to too many of these players. If I'm honest, I'm my con. My concern really to re, really is that although we're, we're letting some canny players go, I just have no faith in their ability to, re, to be replaced adequately. And who who is it going to be if it's not Kyle Lafferty? Really, who is it well, going to be? That's you what know? I'm saying,
3: Gab. Like you touched on it before. Like who you know. What's the point in releasing these players if if, if they haven't got a plan? He's got to have a plan because. If you're talking about nan from Blackpool, I mean, I know he's a lot younger and you and you get more minutes out of him, but you know, is he really got is he got much more better ability than Kyle Lafferty? Has he? Really? I, I mean he possibly hasn't. Um you know, obviously that that different kinds of players in a sense, but I mean it's just I think it's it's a bit contradictory in a sense. A lot of, a lot of supporters are saying, you know, Landjale get him in, he'll score a lot of goals, we'll get promoted this, something. You know, I I don't think he will. I, I honestly don't. I think at the minute, if if you look at Sunderland and you look at how we play, I you know the the big man up front, it's not working. It's not working when you have little Greg trying running behind. I I mean, for for whatever reason, nothing's working. So I mean. To, to let Kyle Lafferty go just like I said it it just doesn't make sense. You you've got to have him there anyway on the bench or, or or start him when when he needs to start because none of the other options work. It it doesn't work and I don't think Nangeli would work personally. I, I don't.
1: He's a bit of a he's a bit of a free spirit though. If you look at his career, he's moved about all over. So Aye. it's nothing unusual from his perspective. He's he's quite happy to move wherever I'll have him. Um. So yeah, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be entirely shocked if he's just trying to get a move abroad somewhere because he's done it before. You know, finish his career in, a, in in the USA or something like that. That's what well, players his age, especially internationals, um, that's tend to be what they do, you know. They'll look abroad and try and get a, a good move to a nice place. You know what I mean? I'm not saying something's not nice, but it's not Elliot's. No, yeah, but he's you know he's <laughs> had that
3: though, he's done that. He's he's played in Italy, you know, he's he's played in he played in Switzerland, he's he has done that. I mean, he's done everything in his career. Really, he's been here, yeah, there, and everywhere as you touched on. So, mm. yeah, it's it is a strange one.
2: Well, away from the playing pitch, there was another statement again yesterday. This time about the season ticket issues and <laughs> another one. <laughs> it's we know it's been a bit of a fiasco, and look, I'll try and be as balanced as we possibly can um, because. I, like, look they've been rightfully criticized they've made an absolute shit show out of the entire situation but for those unaware basically supporters who have already purchased or do go on to purchase season card fair for next season they'll now be eligible for a pro rata refund or a streaming pass should any games play behind closed doors now the assumption is of course that is what we're expecting football returned last night and albeit it's a little bit different for the premier league down to the lower leagues but the expectancy is, at least for the next few months, we're not going to be allowed in the stadium light. Uh, Gav, I'll come to you with this one. I mean, rather than just go through the entire sordid mess that it's been so far, what were your thoughts on Jim Rodwell's
1: uh, video interview yesterday? Um, I mean, I, I don't trust the man as far as I can throw him. So it felt very insincere to me, you know. It started from the off. Just oh, I just want to, I just want to say thanks to all our support. Like it's just so instanti- insincere. That the I think he kind of showed his true colors with the first two statements they put out about this, where it kind of came across to me like they just didn't really care what fans felt, and I think they've probably realised just how many people have cancelled their season cards, shit themselves, and completely went back on it. But I mean, the the interview itself, he he started off by talking about how they'd had a board meeting with the fan groups afterwards as well, which I think you said was the BLC and red and white, red army. white army. Yeah. Yeah. And that was what kind of became the catalyst to them changing their mind. I mean, come on, if that's what you need to be moral and be down the middle, straight up with people and realize what your customers, that's what we are to them. We're customers, realize what we actually want from, from them. Then you're in the wrong game. You're, you're out your depth. you I mean, he's been here five minutes And he's cost the club I mean, I've never seen any figures And I haven't seen any reported But going just by what I saw on social media I mean, thousands upon thousands of fans Must have cancelled their tickets There can't have been a bigger blunder made By any ownership in regards to Losing season tickets than this I mean, it's crazy Considering there was a push to get the club Over 26,000, I think, wasn't it, last year Mm Mm-hmm I mean that was that was great, you know. Get get as many people through the doors as we can and what have you. Now it's just like they've given up, given up to the point where they just didn't care what we felt. So when I listened to Jim Rodwell talk yesterday, I just couldn't take him seriously. Really, it just felt very insincere and sounded like a bloke who just doesn't get it. I mean, he even admitted himself we simply didn't understand um, just how passionate people were about their renewals. I mean, what? There's people who've been coming for 30-odd year, buying season tickets year upon year, yeah. blindly, regardless of what league Sunday they're in, who have felt the need to cancel their ticket because of the way the club handled all of this. It's just crazy to me. I mean, it just, it's symptomatic of the way the club's being ran right now. Which it's just an absolute mess. And I'm really, really not sure how they can recover from this. I mean, even re-offering people the option to get a pro-rata refund from... If any games are cancelled, I mean, you've, you should have offered that from day one. Mm-hmm. Any idiot could have seen that, you know. We're, we're fans, and we would, we, we would. Have, any of us had been sat in that room or Zoom call, I guess, as probably was, while they were discussing this. We all would have shouted up and went, "Hang on, you can't do that. Surely not." People have go- so who who was standing up for the fans? Who 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 was sat there? listening to the idea that they were going to put forward and thinking, no, that'll that'll go down well, you know? Crazy. I've seen some bits on social media where you've seen comments
2: like, I'm not giving any money until, say, such and such is gone. Maybe I've got this wrong, but I think for the majority of our fan base, you know, it was never about a protest or trying to force anybody out at this stage. I think, and I'm speaking on my behalf here, it was about the reluctance of paying full price for a product that we really don't know What will look like next season and the idea that, you know, we were going to have to pay, say, in excess of like three to four times for a stream where we would only get home games where the international fans would only pay, I think, working out about £110 and they would get home underway. Um, Mm. So whilst, you know, the comment of him coming out and saying, look, you know, we're kind of recognising the mistakes and that we've made you still really can't see any incentive to renew at this point, especially if the same that your seat is secure and you're not going to lose your Black Cat's points. I mean, they've kind of really made such a, a fuck-up here that even when they've kind of come out and backtracked, you can't imagine that there's going to be a massive sort of U-turn where people will go, right, I'll give you money again now. Because for us, there's not really any any need or, or any kind of desire to to give them it until we can at least set foot on the ground can I, again. Can
3: I just quickly weigh in? Um, Our kind of... I I have no idea why they adopted the approach they did, but I kind of always thought that it was kind of cryptic in a sense that they were kind of wanting you to cancel. I think for whatever reason they've they've had a problem where they can't sort of just say right. Okay, we'll we'll suspend the the price, the, the money coming in until it's open again, whatever. So I think they've actually wanted you to cancel. That's the impression I've always got. I think the reason why they did that. Want people to cancel because at the end of the day, you can you can renew your season ticket an hour before kickoff if you want. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's that simple. You, you you can literally renew when you want. I I understand people are upset because like you said, Gary. People, uh, Gary, Gav. People have got emotional attachments <laughs> to the club and and people like you said, they've been coming for thirty years. You know they're devastated that they've got to cancel their season ticket. But all they're doing is clicking a button and then what they're going to do, you know, when the stadium reopens is. Press the button again. It it's that simple. I think the club they don't want you to renew. Uh, you know the 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 know what situation mm, is. I don't know about uh, that, like. that. That's how I, I feel. it well, well, you know we, we all have our own opinions. That's why we are. here But you you know that that's that's the impression I got. I don't. I just think that. They, they, they would have thought, they would have known, you know. Yeah, you're saying how stupid they are, but I don't think they're that stupid that they wouldn't have known that everybody would have cancelled, and it seemingly everyone has. And I think, they, like I say, I just think that that's what they wanted because they don't, they don't want to go through, you know, refunding everybody. They don't want to go through any of that. They have said, listen, if you want to, if you want to renew your season ticket, all we can offer you is this streaming pass, um, for now until the stadiums reopened. If not, cancel and you can you can renew or you can get a new season ticket whenever you want. As soon as we find out that we can have people back in the stadium, that's when you can renew That, that. But I just think they've worded it wrong. I think they've come out a bit sloppy in their approach when, you know, when when they've said about it. I don't think they've wanted to directly say cancel your season tickets. But like I say, I think it's been a bit cryptic. I think that was the impression they've wanted to give. Um, so it's easier for everybody else I'd like to say you obviously completely disagree Which is absolutely fine But that that's just what I think this has been all about And I think it's been handled incorrectly, basically
1: I just think it's rank incompetence, to be honest I think it's, it's, it's kind of symptomatic of the way they've handled the running of the club for a while now It's just sloppy, like you've just said But I mean, if, I don't know I, I think anybody sitting in that meeting would have objected to it if they'd known it was... Anyone could have seen this coming. I mean, the, I don't for one minute think that they've the done this thing and, well, people will just cancel. It doesn't matter. I don't think they felt like that. I just... I, I honestly think, and it's been quite obvious with these owners for a while for me, is the, 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 they just don't get the way we will react. They, they weren't expecting this level of scrutiny. Yeah, but do you not
3: think, of what, what... Like, at the end of the day, like I just said, though, do you not think... What, what is the actual problem, though? Like like i said all you need to do is cancel and then you can renew you can renew 10 minutes before kick off you know what i mean you can renew when you want know, what, but what's I, what's the actual issue you're cancelling and then you're renewing when when you can go back in you're keeping your money and then you're paying it when when you need to pay it it's there's not that big of a problem problem for me is is how many people have rene- who who automatically
1: renew like i do generally just didn't realize what was happening i mean i had to explain it to my dad about 10 times he hasn't got a clue how to do streaming you know what i mean he was just like, well, I'll just renew. And I'm like, well, you do realise they're going to take three hundred and ten quid off you, and you might not see a penny of it. This was obviously before the 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 went back on it yeah, yesterday. Fair enough. The me point me point me point was is that it, it was it was just so shoddy in the way that they did it. They had they had to be, and it wasn't it wasn't necessarily just the way they did it. I mean, that first Q and A that came out was just so pig headed. It didn't yeah. offer any sort of explanation. It wasn't realistic. It wasn't fair to people, and. There was so much pushback as a result of that that they've had to go back on their word. Now, had there not been any pushback, people wouldn't be able to be eligible for a refund. They would have went ahead with whatever approach they were trying to go with. Yeah. And I think it's I think I think that's a, a, you've got to pat Son and fans on the back really and say we stood up for ourselves on this, and and you know it needs to be the, that needs to be the way forward. We need we need to do if if there's something not right we have to stand up for it and and that that's very much been the case with this. And I just like I say. I feel like it was very insincere when I heard Rodwell talk about it because we all know what their favoured approach was going to be and they just simply weren't expecting this level of backlash, I don't think, yeah, no. which is why they've had to, they've had to go back and I word.
3: totally agree with you. I think the fans should have a voice and I totally agree with that. I think the, the fans, you're right, it's, it's absolutely fine to react and, and it's, a, it's a good thing to react the way they did. But like I say, I'm, I'm just giving my point of view, my opinion, that I think that that is the approach the club has taken and really when you really deeply think about it, it's not actually that much of a hassle. And, you know, yeah, you're right, there is going to be, you know, elderly people, whoever, who don't understand streaming and they don't understand that they have to cancel and they have to rethink it. But but let's be honest, you know, the, the club can't compensate for all of that, can they? I mean, they've, they've got to make a decision. Like I say, I think their approach has been sloppy about it. And I think the way they've worded and the way they've explained it Everything it hasn't been great, but I do believe there is logic behind it, and I, I just think it's just been it's just came across the wrong way. But I honestly do believe that they do want you to cancel. That that is what they want.
1: What do you think, Craig?
2: I'll bring you in. I think I think it's uh, astonishing, really, that we've we've had to get to this point. I mean, whilst I agree an awful lot with the pair of you, I mean, Niall's comments about you can you can just kind of cancel and you can come back when you want. I think it's a, it's a good point, but. I think in light of, you know, taking what, three statements to get to this point and I still don't think for me that it's fully answered the the question of why, say, a fan in the Black Cats bar who pays, I don't know, I think it's 900 seven to £800 or something like that, that they would basically still have to pay the, the same amount, um, at least up front, in terms of their initial direct debit payments and then receive their refunds at a later stage. I, I, I just think it's crazy. It's it's quite reminiscent, really, of the Walsall ticket guarantee situation, if you remember, where there was a, a bit of a yeah. backtrack on that, where they were like, right, if you buy this ticket, you've got a guarantee for Wembley. And I think they can really try and dress it up in whatever way they want. But my personal thought is, is I think the original intention was to to try and get as much money as they possibly could. And I think that really is the hallmark of the entire duration that we've had these in charge um i think deep down really that they they have backtracked because the volume of these cancellations like you said must be massive and i think by doing this a week after that deadline they've looked and thought the numbers must be very very low i mean i didn't possibly um come out and write any you know kind of templated email i didn't write anything from the heart about why i want to cancel the season ticket for the interim but what i said in my email was i think that they needed to offer some flexibility and some sort of a pro-rata payment plan. So speaking from at least my perspective on that, I am pleased that that has been addressed and I can only assume that many others have asked. But there was another point that I wanted to to discuss and it was the topic of the refunds because we get an awful lot of tweets every single day, DMs and it's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Have you heard about when we get our money back? Have you heard about, you know, when we get our Blackpool taking money back or our Southend taking money back? And this was one of the things that I took umbrage with yesterday. So corrections and apologies aside, I think some of the comments made by Jim Rodwell on the refund situation was a bit disingenuous because he described the situation as a logistical nightmare. And he said that ticketing systems aren't set up to cope with issues like this one, but it, it got me thinking. So last night after I watched that, I had a bit of a kind of a backtrack through, through articles and things like that online. Now I booked tickets for, tour that Peter Keough was originally going to go on throughout, I think, 2018, 2019, and it was eventually cancelled. So after looking back at this, he was due to play in front of 1.5 million people on a 112-day tour that would span over 13 months, right? Now, when he cancelled his tour, all primary ticket sites, so that's your Ticketmaster, Gigs and Tours, StubHub, Eventim, and all of those, they all had the capability to refund every single customer within 10 working days of that announcement. There was no need to reply. Like we've been told that we may need to reply to get our money back. There was no need to contact any venues. They'd done all the legwork and they repaid all of that money back in two weeks. Now, it's speculative for me to suggest at this point that our ticket office use the exact same software that Ticketmaster used, but as they're the ticketing partner, it would be reasonable to suggest that we use a program that is similar or at least have some of the features that it has. Hmm. So what I'm kind of curious about is why still at this point, we still have no timescales of when we're going to get our money back now i know <clears throat> at least for some people they don't want it back or at least they've said you know keep it or if we get
1: it back we'll donate it to the foundation but a little worrying that they can't offer a timescale on that um um yeah um, when when he was talking yesterday and he said look it's difficult we know we've got to do this we know we've got to do that but um um you know we haven't got all the staff back or furlough blah 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 and i was just thinking well Take them off furlough then you know, bring them back and pay them yeah. a wage, so that you can actually deal with your customers. I mean, we've had no online shop until what this week, and yeah. people, I think you've been impacted by that. You've bought stuff off the shop and haven't heard anything about it until recently. Have yeah. you even got your stuff back? No.
2: So I made my <laughs> order in March, and I think it fell maybe like one or two days before like the lockdown had kind of officially right. come in. Um, it was just the Adidas clearance stuff, really. Yeah. Um, and what had happened was I got the email and it says you know, whenever we reopen, so on, so on, that's fine. And mm. then two weeks ago, I got an email from a member of staff at the club who basically said, you know, your options are as follows. You can cancel, um, we can offer you a collection, or alternatively, we can deliver to you, but you're going to have to pay 4 dollars 99 And I thought that was, you know, somewhat taking the piss, really, that you've already waited three months for an order. I know that, you know, they can't, you know, um, be responsible for, obviously, a government lockdown due to a global pandemic, but exactly what you said about the club shop, uh, being closed. I mean, one of my kind of biggest habits, if you like, throughout this past ten, eleven weeks or whatever it's been, um, since we couldn't go anywhere, I've spent an absolute fortune because people have been doing online sales and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it, I even seen that Black Bill made fifty thousand pounds in one week on selling Club Shop uh merchandise, and I'm thinking, okay, you can save an awful lot of money on you know furloughing your staff. But surely we could have had at least two or three in, socially distancing yeah. from one another and clearing out all of that Adidas stuff now because it's it's no longer useful. It's got no value to anyone really, because we're going to be replacing them with Nike. And I'm just thinking there, again, the short sightedness of of you know, kind of just cutting so much money, but they couldn't at least see a decent end game. Now, I'm not blaming that necessarily, it's it, you know, it's Stuart or Charlie or whoever, but there must be somebody in like a marketing department or or sales or somebody who can look at that and say, actually if we spend X amount of money on keeping the staff on, which, with all due respect to them, they can't be paid a great deal. I'm assuming it must be like a, a, a national living wage or something like that. But yeah. they couldn't at least see, you know, an investment into that. I think if we spend X, that we're going to bring in Y and Z. Now, again, I just think it sums up sort of how badly we've been ran, really. But it's it's not just that. People have paid an awful lot of money for playing on the pitch and things yeah, like that like we've us, invested yeah, a, yeah, yeah like we've us. invested a few thousand pounds and we still haven't heard anything back can i and just I'm touch just it thinking, before you
1: brush past that yeah though. shoot that is mad we've put out that we're just one of many i mean the corporate customers have probably got to be kept a lot more sweet than we are because mm-hmm. some of the people who are buying these slots on the pitch probably buy boxes and stuff as well you know so like thousands of pounds we're, we're just fans we've paid thousands of pounds for this play on the pitch slot, that that was meant to go ahead the, uh, yeah. I think it was bank, May Bank Holiday, wasn't it? Yeah, right, so yeah. we're meant to be playing then. We haven't heard a thing about it with thousands of pounds just sitting in the club's accounts from us. and We haven't even had a courtesy email. I mean, yeah. mental. At the, at the last time of checking, I think, in terms of the
2: investment that we've got in for the play on the pitch, the merchandise that I've bought from the club shop and any potential refund from season tickets, the Blackpool and the South End game, I think the club probably owe me three and a half grand. <laughs> now, I'm being fairly calm and reasonable about it. Um, the reality is, is I'd like that money back because obviously I've got people sending me text messages saying, you know, are we going to play on the pitch money back? But as you've said, the fact that we've had no courtesy, it, it really is terrible, I think. Um, and the way that the club has conducted themselves throughout this entire lockdown really through the way they've went on on social media and the way obviously they've went on behind the scenes i just think it's been absolutely atrocious um but rather than, you know kind of beat them down or and just kick off about absolutely everything um i suppose at least looking forward now is there any sort of positives that you can look at from the previous announcement from 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 yesterday in terms of at least you know players are going does that give you an indication that we're looking to get our business done early obviously we've heard from Jim Rodwell there about correcting the season ticket situation does any of this at least instill any sort of confidence or at least give you a bit of a a better feeling than that you've had over the past couple of weeks
1: not really because he what he did say was that um because we don't know when the season starts we're not really in a position to offer contracts to players um, so, but I guess we're not going to be the only club in that situation. So it's difficult, really. I mean, how much can the club really do feasibly other than sound out players who might want to come to Sunland? Um, what can we really do? We can't go out and really sign anyone. Oh, we could, but I think the point being that if they did that, then they'd be paying players for a length of time where they might not even be training, never mind playing. Mm-hmm. Um, pfft. I'm really struggling to be positive about anything and I I know that's shite for anyone listening because not everyone wants to hear about everything that's negative but it just feels like we're stuck in a a bit of a rut at the minute or have been for years but very much so at the minute in the sense that we've dramatically reduced our playing squad over the last week or so in terms of neglecting to offer contracts to players who need new ones and what have you so we're going to have a very small squad anyways that we need to add to um going into an unsure period where we don't even know when the football season will restart when we can resume training and all the rest of it it's um it's just a strange time to be a football fan really but at least we've got something to talk about you know it's what <laughs> what I what I would like to here really above all else is just news that we're selling the club to somebody never mind what Jim Rodwell's going to do or what Phil Parkinson going to do, I'm just so beyond that now. I'm like I'm I'm impervious to the pain that it causes. I guess I'm just sick of this this version of Sunderland. I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of this owner, sick of everybody he surrounds himself with, sick of this recruitment team, this manager. I just want a fresh start with new people in charge, who actually understand the needs of the fans, who understand the needs of the football club, and want to get us back to where we. Realistically should be Which is challenging At least towards the top of the championship With a structure in place That sees us work Hard Year on year To not only improve ourselves But You know Be as good as we can be Basically in every Every single area It just feels like we're being ran Ran like a non-league club By people who Really are in positions of power Who should be nowhere near Southern DFC And that's every time I hear Jim Rodwell talk Every time he, he, he puts out one of these statements, he's he's very fond of a statement as we've realized. Um, I just feel like God, get away from Sunderland. I'm sick of you, you know. <laughs> and well sorry I can't be more positive, but that's just how I feel about the thing at the minute. It's just it, this, this this that statement yesterday, despite the fact some positive news came out of it in that they're now they're now going to honor a refund to fans who've renewed, which is great because like say I, I'm switched on enough and, you know, I knew what the crap was, so I could, you know, cancel my season ticket and I know how to deal with the consequences once everything comes together. But for elder fans who probably didn't have a clue what was going on and have just renewed anyways, it's it's nice to see that at least they'll get some of their money back if they need it back. So, yeah, that's the one positive to take from it, I guess.
2: I suppose besides that, they've stopped talking about FC Köln as well. So, we're oh, going to have God, had I... some weird German connection. But uh, if you have enjoyed the past 40 minutes or so of this barrel of laughs, thank you very much for <laughs> staying with us. Um, thankfully, at least we can say at this stage that we do have a backlog of more interesting podcasts coming your way involving former managers, internationals, good people that you want to listen to rather than the three of us rabble on. Um, <laughs> so, if you do want to stay tuned to that, please go ahead and subscribe on. Acast, Apple, Spotify or YouTube. Uh, I think that's about enough from us at this stage. Niall has snuck out and left the chat, so I guess <laughs> it's goodbye from him already. Uh Gav, thank you very much for joining me. No thank you for me. listening at home. And yeah, hopefully the next time you hear from us we'll be talking about something positive. Thank you very much for listening. Please release me. I don't love you. Thanks for staying around to the end of the pod. I think this is our first ever post-credit scene. Uh, unsurprisingly, we weren't planning on this, but it has come to our attention after our recording earlier today that fans, myself included, have received notifications from their banks or building societies that the club have went one step further with their calamitous season ticket situation. And they have reset up direct debits despite supporters cancelling them. And they've done that without permission. Now the club have responded to this with another statement which reads as follows. We are aware that some supporters have received a new direct debit mandate notification despite cancelling their 20 to 21 season card. This was due to a processing error that has now been addressed by club's ticket and partner, Ticketmaster. And any supporters that have cancelled their 20 to 21 season card will not be charged. Supporters that have continued the renewal process will also receive a new advance notice from Ticketmaster shortly, detailing the payments due for the 20-21 to 21 season. So, I'm scratching my head at this, but this is the current position. New contracts offered to players, three. Club statement on season card, five. Now, I will refer you back to the club statement when Jim Rodwell was appointed, saying that his experience, coupled with his undoubted knowledge, passion and connection will be a huge asset and made him the natural choice as the club continues to progress. Now, maybe this is just from their Charlie Methven school of references, perhaps, but Jim has been at this club since the 22nd of April and has succeeded in alienating almost all of our fan base. Now, this is not acceptable at all for a club like Sunderland. This is not acceptable for a club anywhere. We will be providing further reaction to this in due course, no doubt. Uh, We will have people on hand to record another podcast but i sincerely hope in that time jim rodwell is handed his p45 or he has the good grace to resign at the first opportunity because the job he has done here is an absolute shambles we were warned by supporters of every single football club that he has had an involvement with that he is not fit for purpose now we've seen that so please do the right thing and get out of our football club